Next up, the Avengers assemble for the ultimate endgame. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. And Jeep gets in touch with your inner gladiator. Burger King trolls Mickey D's from McDonald's own restaurants. Plus loaded questions and a whole lot more. On the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. Hello. Welcome, Rick hey, how you doing? Welcome, Rick Wooten. Been a while. I'm so sorry. I've been sick the last couple of weeks. I'm sure I'm going to be coughing in this episode, so apologies ahead of time. Yeah, and we also had the Thanksgiving break, so, you know, it, it ended up st- extended it a little bit, but I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back on the wagon and, and doing these podcasts again. Yes, me too. You know, I got to tell you on that note, I got, so, it's unusual. I'm, I'm uneven each year, but this year I completely got in the Christmas spirit the weekend of Thanksgiving. We put up all our lights and Christmas tree, yada, 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 and was listening to Christmas tunes for like a week and oh, then nice. completely dropped out. Now it's like, God, I'm running out of time for gifts and you know that kind of thing. How about you? Are you in the Christmas spirit yet? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I got my tree up. Now I have to say last year I, I did, you know, do the cheat thing. I went out and I bought a fake tree last year. No more, no more live trees for me. And it's pre-lit and right out of the box, you know, you set it up and boom, it's done. So pretty excited about that. You know, this is the second year I'm using it. I'm, I'm digging it. So so my place is already decked out. Yeah, I switched to the fake like five years ago too. I got so sick of just carting it in. And then if you've got animals at all, cats especially, they're going to destroy yeah. things. I think fake is the way to go. Uh, I don't know if it's better environmentally or not, but uh, I, I have to guess that over a certain number of years, it's got a net gain on uh, being environmentally conscious. I don't know. Could be wrong there. I would agree. I would agree. I mean, of course, it's usually plastic. So, you know, it, hey, if it was recycled plastic, that'd be even better. That would be much better. I'm surprised nobody's done that. Well, episode 204 here today and going to kink things off, Rick. I just saw this yesterday. Avengers, they've got the new trade Trailer, teaser trailer for the conclusion to Infinity War. Wow. Yes. And, and yes. really interesting. What'd you think? You know, I uh, I hadn't seen it till you sent it to me. So somehow it isn't, it didn't, you know, get around as much as I thought it would. I, I, I dug it, you know, it started out uh, really dark, you know, yeah. and it kind of, evolved and, and showed Tony Stark kind of what's happening with him after the, the last movie. We have Tony Stark in space kind of wondering what his fate is going to be and we see Steve Rogers and Natasha, Black Widow, and then we see Scott Lang, a.k.a. Ant-Man, knocking right. on their door saying, hey guys, let me in. Now, that kind of surprised me. Back in July when we reviewed Ant-Man and the Wasp, we started to speculate about Ant-Man and his role in what is going to be the uh, the in-game movie here. And now we see he is involved. Back in July, we were speculating if, if the quantum realm where we last saw him was going to play some role in taking on Thanos or you know, Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp, she had gained new powers of somehow she was going to be the secret to taking on um, Thanos. So I, I was floored when they had him at the very end. Totally surprised. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a couple other things this week. So Venom, you said something about that uh, earlier. So it was a bigger hit than we realized. Absolutely. So, you know, you remember kind of coming into it. It's like, I don't know. You know, Venom looks kind of interesting. But at the same time, I'm not super excited about it. There's no Spider-Man in it. You know, da, 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 da. Well, apparently, uh, everybody disagreed with us. So we saw this early on. We saw there was some er, some early success. Uh, there was an article uh, by CBR a couple weeks ago, and uh, at that time, so this is November nineteenth. At that time, Venom had already become more successful than every X Men movie, including. Deadpool. Whoa, that is unbelievable. 
I, I really didn't know. I remembered it was like top, you know, the first week it came out. And then I think I re read the second week it was still doing really well. I had no idea it was so huge. Yeah, yeah. And and apparently it's it's still continued to do well since then. So uh, it uh, I think at one point they thought, uh, and maybe it has again, but I think it may have eclipsed uh, Wonder Woman at this point. Holy smokes. Well, yeah, it's a China. Thanks to a second weekend in China, Venom has earned over $780 million at the global box office. That's probably more than Wonder Woman. And, in fact, it is. Right now, uh, Wonder Woman is, uh, and this is uh, according to the numbers.com, Wonder Woman is the 16th top box office uh, superhero movie with $821 million. Uh, above that is uh, Spider-Man. Uh, with, with also 821, then Thor Ragnarok for 846 million, and then number 13 on the list, unlucky number 13, is Venom with 850 million dollars in worldwide box office to date. Now you saw it. Did you like it? You know, I really did. Uh, you know, we talked about Ant Man and the Wasp when that first came out, where it was like, eh, you know, I'll go see it. You know, I don't have that high of hopes for it. I had the exact same thing when I went into Venom, and I have to tell you because I went in with a really low expectation, I had enough content but I knew they'd gone a little bit different with the story. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was fun. I thought the pacing was really good in the movie. The special effects were phenomenal. The acting was pretty good. The The main character to me uh, was almost a little too typecast. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, he, he did a good job and the supporting characters did a great job. So uh, yeah, I, I, I would have given it a solid B. I, I don't think though that I would have put it above Spider-Man for sure, 2002 Spider-Man, nor would I put it above Wonder Woman or Deadpool, but that's not where people are putting their money. They're voting with their dollars and they're saying that, you know, it, it's it's gonna beat them out. Pretty yeah. amazing. But but here's here's the interesting one. So if you break the same numbers down and, and now we just look at domestic, right? So that was, that was worldwide box office. If you look at just domestic, uh, Venom did 212 million. But these other movies that it just beat out worldwide, so this is going to tell us something. Uh, Thor Ragnarok had 315 million. Uh, Wonder Woman had 412 million. So basically, Wonder Woman had 200 million dollars more domestically. So in the U.S., they didn't perform that great. But as soon as it went outside the U.S., it took off like gangbusters. Interesting. Now, is he a villain in the movie or an anti-hero in some way? Yeah, to a certain extent. I mean, spoiler alert for anybody listening. Uh, you know, the, the basic uh, premise is he's an investigative reporter. Uh, he is investigating somebody who is a tech mogul who uh, is trying to create these rockets to goes into space. I think you could probably try and figure out who they're they're mimicking on that. Uh, and these in these uh, rockets are bringing back stuff. And as an investigative reporter, he wants to uncover it, uh, but it's kind of at any means he has to. And so you know he he, he rides in a gray area. He's not truly an antihero like somebody like Deadpool. Uh, but, you know, he rides in that gray area. And of course, once, you know, Venom attaches to him, the symbiote attaches to him, he does do some crazy things like bite people's heads off. So, <laughs> you know, that puts him squarely in the, you know, not so friendly camp. All right. So hang tight and we'll be right back. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. 
All right, we're back with Rick and Rick Rule the World, and it is time for the good, the bad, and the marketing. So Pantone has named its 2019 Color of the Year. So every year they come out with these colors that are supposed to be sort of sourced and you know, based on trends around the world and that kind of thing. And, and this year's color is Pantone 161546, and it's called Living Coral. And it's described as an animating and life-affirming coral hue with a golden undertone that energizes and enlivens with a softer edge. I cracked up when I saw this. One, I saw it described as artistic yet corporate, which I think is quite the feat. But two, <laughs> but two, I would look at it and say it's salmon. Literally do a Google yeah, search. Yeah, and yeah. the color salmon, I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Well, you know, for me, I, I saw this as well. For me, when I saw this, it was like, oh my God, I'm going back to 1986. Mm. I had clothes this color. Totally. Like, I totally had these clothes. Yes. In fact, I, I had a, one of those, uh, I don't know if you remember them, they're body heat sensing. And I think this was later in the 80s, but you know, I had these body heat sensing and it was, uh, it went between this this color, this coral color and purple, you know, depending on the heat from the body and stuff oh, like that. I remember those, yeah. But, yeah. So anyway, so for me, this was almost like a flashback. Now, I, I have to say, though, I kept staring at this and I can't see the gold. I think they just made that up. I think I there think is no gold undertone here. Yeah. This is this is pink. This is, you know, this it, is coral. This is salmon. Yep. This is not gold. There's no gold in this. I see no gold. I can't yeah. even I can't even push and try and find it. You know, Slate, the way they described it was kind of harsh. They said they, they called it the latest hilarious misfire in Pantone's history of awkward wokeness attempts. And it pointed out that the 2018 color of the year was ultraviolet, both yeah. the color of a bipartisan electorate, takes two shades that are seemingly diametrically opposed, blue and red, and brings them together to create something new. And then 2017's color was greenery, which they also described as life-affirming. So the same adjective there. I don't know. Punch your BS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's not forget the uh, the 2016 color was rose quartz, ah. which was basically a lighter version of this one. I remember that. Yeah. I thought there was something recent where it was close to that. It was a little pinker, if I remember correctly. It, it was a little pinker. Definitely uh, a lighter shade, a little more of a um, pastel but uh, that's all right. That's all right. It's good. Cracks me up. Okay. Burger King has this promotion right now where they will reward you with a one cent Whopper if you are within 600 feet of a McDonald's. So what it is, is they want you to download <laughs> the Burger King app. If you get within 600 feet of a McDonald's, you can unlock a deal for a penny Whopper using the Burger King app. That's when it kind of went wah, wah for me because one, I'm not going to download the app to it. And two, why would you send them to McDonald's? I'm thinking I'm going to unlock that Burger King promotion. I'm going to get that, but I'm also going to get a, a Big Mac while I'm here for crying out loud and fries. <laughs> this is awesome. You know, uh, okay, so first of all, cool. Somebody's actually figured out how to use geofencing. Yep. Cool. Like, you know, companies have been trying to figure this out for a while. It's like, hey, you know, when you're in a store, we're going to give you ads. Yes, because when I'm shopping in a store, I'm on my phone looking right. at your app. Right. No, I'm not on your on my phone looking at your app. And plus, you've already got me in the store, so why are you going to give me an ad just right. to spend less money? Right. And, and so a lot of companies have tried the geofencing thing. It's worked a little bit at concerts and stuff like that. Burger King's got an interesting take on it here, you know, with trying to, to geofence around McDonald's yep. locations. Hats off. I, I don't know. I, th I think I think this is exactly what it looks like. I think it's a publicity stunt. I think yeah. it's actually pretty pretty good because it's got us talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's not practical. This yeah. is a, you know to your point. If I'm if I've gone all the way down to McDonald's, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna then walk away and go. Unless I'm just trying to get a discount. Much better idea, however, was the story that you sent over about Payless. 
Tell us about that. Yeah, I thought this was really clever. So, uh, you know, we've seen other companies uh, try and do fancy things before. So uh, let's not forget how Taco Bell was the restaurant, the fine restaurant in the future. Uh, what was that, Demolition Man or yes. whatever the, the movie was? Yep. And so uh, at a South by Southwest recently, they had a pop up, uh, you know, kind of harkening back to that movie of 10, 15 years ago. Well, you know, I, I guess some of the, the marketing folks over at Payless decided, hey, you know what, let's try something creative too. And so what they did is they did a pop-up store. I think this was in LA. It was in an old Armani exchange and the name of it, it looks like Palisi. Yes, like fancy way of saying Payless, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we joke about this, you know, if, if you go to a Target, it's on the good side of town, it's a Target. If you go to a Target, it's on the bad <laughs> side of town, it's a Targetto. Right. And, you know, every, everything else in between. So I think they kind of, you know, stole a little bit of inspiration from that and, you know, pay lessy or whatever it is. So anyways, I thought it was really clever. So what they did is they had shoppers come in and they took their $25, $50, whatever shoes, and they marked them up to two, three, $400 uh, and then had people come in, try them on, you know, had this full white glove experience. And after they purchased the shoes, but before they left the store, they would stop them and say, hey, by the way, those are Payless shoes. We're yeah. going to issue a refund. What right. do you think about, you know, these shoes? And so they got all the sound bites that they were looking for. Yeah. You know, people were saying like, oh, my God, the quality is so great. You know, they're so comfortable. You know, I really thought these were high-end designer shoes. And anyways, it was it was absolutely clever. And it's oh, a great goodness. way for this brand to kind of pop up and be, be relevant to us again. What a great idea. I hope they do a video of all that because, uh, you know, and not just use the the testimonials for regular Payless. I'd love to see this as a prank advertisement just along these lines because I think that is brilliant. I mean, that goes to brand right there, right? If people perceive Absolutely. it as being this high-end brand, you know, those $20 shoes are suddenly worth 400 That's right. And, you know, at the, who is it? I forget. Somebody said the value of something is whatever somebody's willing to Pay. Exactly. And one guy coming out of it because I, you know, I could tell that it's made with high quality material. <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess uh, so this this pop-up store in one day, I think they said they sold three thousand dollars worth of shoes. Yes. Worth of shoes in a few hours. Charging two hundred to six hundred dollars a piece. And you, get there you know, we sold four pairs. That's right. Thought that was pretty good. This next piece, I totally thought of you. I now they're saying this is kind of a reintroduction. I just didn't know this existed, but Jeep. I guess at the LA Auto Show, they were showing off this Jeep Gladiator. It's a it's a Jeep and a pickup in one. It looked yeah. incredible. So this is uh this is an interesting one. Uh, there is a bunch of memes going around the internet right now about this. Uh, Jeep did not get the reaction that they uh -oh. were expecting. And so what's what's been happening? So uh, folks like me have always wanted a Jeep, but they have kids and you can't really put kids in a two-door Jeep. So when Jeep came out with the Unlimited, which is the four-door model, we're like, hey, you know what? We can actually get one now. Right. And I did. And so then people said, you know, hey, I would really like to have a, a Jeep truck, right? And basically there, there ended up being a cottage industry of companies that were out there that would build these. Oh. And uh, they would they would take ones, uh, you know, these, these four-door ones uh, and they would, they would 
create these custom conversions out of them. I, I think Rubitrucks Ruba Trucks was one of them. Uh, a company uh, named AEV did those. Anyways, and I, I can't remember the other, Brute or something like that. There was like two or three companies that were doing this and doing a really good job, but they were insanely expensive, like seventy, eighty thousand dollars to to customize these. And of course, they also at the same time, you know, took them all the way to you know ten and put on big tires and you know usually dropped in a, a Hemi engine and stuff like that. But anyways, so Jeep said, "All right, we hear you. You want a truck? We're going to give you a truck." And they actually came up with a, a a truck that looked very much like exactly what people were asking for. And it's kind of a haul, a throwback to a lot of the the Jeep trucks they've had in the past. However, as soon as it dropped on the internet, everybody started complaining about it. Like, oh my God, it looks so weird. Like, you know, why is it? <laughs> I, I know. Why is it that the rear door has like this angle on it, just like the Unlimited? You didn't have to do that. So why did you do it? And like complain, complain, compl you know, because that's what the internet's about. It's right. like a forum for people to, you know, to bag on something. And so I think the, you know, the marketing people at, at Jeep were looking at each other like, what the heck is going on? Like right. these people demanded this vehicle. We gave them the vehicle and they hate it. Right. Now, the truth, the truth is, is, you know, there's a very vocal, maybe it is a majority, I'm not sure, but there's a vocal group of people like complaining about it, but we're going to see in the sales numbers one yeah. way or the other. This was a niche market right because obviously it existed already and there's a lot of people who wanted it and i think they executed it really well so anyways we're gonna see i i, I know that there's been a lot of crapping on it but uh i think it looks pretty cool i i don't know that i would go get one myself but maybe if i didn't already have mine i would i would consider it yeah i think it looks kind of cool all right last thing for this segment is the red cross holiday ad um, i don't know if you follow the john lewis ads this year's didn't really do anything for me but they're usually ones that get you kind of verklempt. And this Red Cross holiday ad was phenomenal. It shows Santa kind of bewildered. He's wandering kind of in a stupor through this war zone, and he seems to be looking for something. And in the background, we hear Happy Holidays from, uh, I think it's from the movie Holiday Inn. And we see that he's looking around for something. He's going through these war-torn buildings. Bullets are flying everywhere. And we find that he's looking for a small girl who's crying in the corner of this room in this blown-out building. She holds out her hand but then we see that he was just a figment of her imagination. And the on-screen text reads, the only gift some children want this Christmas is their family. Then with no sound, we see her running into her mother's arms. And then the on-screen text reads, every year we reunite hundreds of families torn apart by conflict, migration, and natural disaster. Help us help more. I thought this was just a sucker punch. Yeah, you know, uh, the first time I watched this and, and I didn't have any context, I I thought it was going to be a drug commercial. Uh, I thought that there was some Santa tripping on LSD, uh, <laughs> wandering the streets, having, oh, having I like flashbacks better. to the war. Uh, so I didn't quite get it at first. Uh, I started wondering if it was like a movie trailer. Uh, and then, you know, finally towards the end, I, it all came together for me. And I, I, I too... Uh, had an extreme emotional reaction, but it kind of made me feel bad about Christmas, uh, which I don't know if that was their intention or not. It's like, well, should I not celebrate Christmas now? Because like, and so anyways, so I, I, I love, I love the work the Red Cross is doing. I'm not in, yeah. and I, I, I think this commercial, uh, especially with my second watch was incredibly powerful in, in, in emotional evoking. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think, 
you know, it, it's, it's, it seems like it's kind of crapping on, on Christmas a little bit, which, which kind of threw me interesting. off. Interesting. But, uh, yeah, that's an interesting you know. note. Uh, yeah, no, I think that they were just trying to capitalize on, on Christmas in the same way that, you know, like uh, USA for Africa and, and those, you know, groups have done where they're like, hello, while you're celebrating, you know, you could be helping us help these people. Exactly. Not, not feeling guilty about it, but just, you know, remembering that, boy, you've got it way better than you think. And could you help us help these guys and gals? That's true. That's true. Well, and I think it's a good message to give. I really do. All right. Well, when we come back, it is time for Loaded Questions. Stay tuned. All right. We are back with Rick and Rick Rule the World, and it is time for Loaded Questions. This is the segment of the show where we pose questions about recent developments and trends in the worlds of media, marketing, pop culture, and tech. And Rick Wooten plays in studio, and you folks can play at home or in the car or wherever you listen to Rick and Rick Rule the World. All right. Are you ready to play Loaded Questions? I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get any more ready than I am at this moment. All right. So this one kind of threw me and it's based on 2017 holiday ad spend. So we'll see where things fall out in 2018. But this was a, a new report out and said, based on 2017 holiday ad spend, the top 10 retailers in the U.S. spent a combined $1.2 billion on advertising during November and December with 62% of ad spend going to which of the following? A, television advertising, B, mobile advertising, C, Facebook advertising, or D, Google Display and search ads. Well, I've seen a lot of spend moving to digital, moving to Facebook, moving to, you know, different online media. I'm going to go with TV. I think TV is still really strong. It's still very expensive. And, and I do think, especially during the holiday season, I'm seeing more and more ads last year and this year combined. Well, you are correct. So yes, the answer is A. So according to yeah, awesome. So so according to Cantor Media, by way of marketing land, the top 10 retailers in the US spent a combined $1.2 billion on advertising during November and December on TV. Now wow. the list includes Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Home Depot, Lowe's, Amazon, Macy's, Kohl's, JCPenney, and K Jewelers. Didn't know K Jewelers had that much money to been that much, but I guess you do see a lot of commercials. Walmart was the most. They spent the most on TV, allocating 76% of it. Its budget to television ads, accounting for $193 million in ad spend. And by the way, K Jewelers was at 96% of its ad spend, the largest wow. share of its budget on TV, but they didn't say the amount that they spent. So did they get into you know what type of TV they were doing? Was it uh, cable? Was it, you know, traditional networks or, oh, or even online? I did not see it go into that much detail. I have to imagine it's a mix, but boy, you could see them spending $1.2 billion on primetime in about an hour. <laughs> Because you know, yeah, you're yeah. seeing a lot of commercials. You're right. This year, especially, it seems like there are yeah. a lot of commercials whenever you turn on primetime TV. Obviously, you can buy a lot more if you're going on cable. Okay. So which of the following is not considered to be one of the top SEO trends that will matter most in 2019? A, mobile first indexing. B, page speed. C, social likes. Or D, Amazon search. Ooh. Which of these is not? Who was 
What was the first one again? Mobile first indexing. Oh, wow. Those are all really good ones. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. The tough one. I would I would say if I'm going to rank those, I would guess that mobile first would be at the bottom. I, I think a lot of people are already there. So I don't think that's something they're focusing as much on. The correct answer was C, social likes. And this is, again, the marketing land. They say that the five SEO trends that will matter most in 2019, in their view anyway, is mobile first indexing. So I guess Google uses the mobile version of your page for indexing indexing and ranking. It's not mobile only. I guess starting this last March, they started the process of migrating sites to mobile first index. Two is page speed. So desktop page loading time has been a ranking factor for a while. In July, it got a twin sibling. The mobile pages speeds becomes a ranking factor for mobile, which I find interesting. And then three is brand as a ranking signal. And this was where I I pulled in social likes because I thought it might be this, and apparently it's not. Google uses online brand mentions in its search algorithm. There's two ways that it can use a brand as a ranking signal. First is through unlinked brand mentions. The search engine learns that your brand's an entity out there, and then it analyzes all the properties mentioning it. Google gets a better picture of your authority in a particular field that way. And then second, each component's sentiment and context matters. Reputation, trust, advertising, I thought this was interesting, complaint solving. Mm. So through context, Google learns to tell the good from the bad. You know what else was on their list? GDPR. So Google decided to introduce changes to its analytics based on that. And I was wondering what the hell that was. So now they're getting rid of all the data after 26 months, which is, I guess, per GDPR's um, requirements. And people can change that amount of time inside Google Analytics. You can make it for shorter or you can just bypass the 26 months in which case Google says, okay, you're you're responsible for the data from that point forward. Then you are the data controller. So yep. um, you're on the hook if you violate GDPR. And then the last one, which floored me, makes complete sense, Amazon Search. So they're not saying that Google's factoring in Amazon Search. They're saying Amazon is its own yeah. big enough search engine now that in, its, in and of itself, you need to be strategizing how to optimize results there as well. So according to a study, 56% of consumers visit Amazon first First, if they have shopping in mind, 51% check with Amazon after finding something elsewhere. So you really do need to be paying attention if you are a you know retailer selling product, you know, how you're ranking within Amazon. So I thought that was pretty interesting. It's uh it is interesting to think that a retailer is is you know it's so much of a source of information for people, regardless of whether or not they're buying there. Because that was one of the things. There was a survey that was done, and people would say, Well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna go to the store and buy it, but I'm gonna look for it on Amazon for so that I can look at the reviews, so I can look at, you know, the information about it before going into the store and buying it. Interesting. Well, and also when you look at advertising, holy smokes, I think now they're up to $2 billion a quarter or something for advertising yeah. on Amazon. Just incredible. Yeah. And I've heard it's not exactly user-friendly. It's not like you can target really well uh, yet, no. but they're making a, a fortune. So uh, Yes, they are. And they, and they charge you for those search results. It's a lot more pay-to-play than uh, a Google ever was. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And please tune in next time for the one show where everybody's name is Rick and everybody rules the world. Don't forget to come see us at rickandrick.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and so on. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much, everyone.